Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Good morning. My name is Daryl. I'm the pastor here at Arbor Bridge. Um, thanks for sharing your your uh, your Sunday morning with me. Um, uh, I'm grateful that uh, we get to be together. Whether you're um, joining us in person or online. Um, if you're a guest with us today, we're super glad that you're here or you're super glad you're joining us online. Um, thank you for, for being here. Um, if you're joining us on YouTube, we'd love for you to subscribe to our channel by clicking the subscribe button under the video. Um, and then if you're a guest with us, um, go to any, the bottom of any page of our website and uh, let us know that you're, uh, you're watching. Let us know that you're with us. Um, if you're a guest with us here in person, there's a connect card in one of the chairs in front of you. You can um, fill that out and drop that in the white box in the lobby um, after the service. So um, during the last few weeks, our church leadership has, asked, has been asking our church family to fill out uh, something that we called investment cards. Um, and it's a tool that we're, we're using to, to help us know how to plan for the future. Um, we've been talking a lot about the, during in this last series, we're building, uh, building a better future. Um, we've been talking about that for several weeks. Um, this has been a part of that. Um, I wanted to, uh, to pause, I guess, and just say a couple things about that. Um, uh, research shows, a research from uh, Dominican University in California uh, reported that we are 42% more likely to achieve a goal if we write it down. Um, we've talked about that in our church family before. Um, if, if we think that even might be true, why wouldn't we write down our goals that we are, that are doing for the Lord? Um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to share with you that you know, through our investment cards um, that many of you guys have turned in and uh, the recurring giving that, that uh, many of you are signed up for, uh, our church is currently committed to giving a little bit, a little bit more than $2,300 per week, um, which is really, really great. Um, thank you for, our, you know, thank you for your commitment. Thank you for those of you guys who, um, have made a commitment to our church family. Um, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to overstate that your generosity means a lot to the kingdom of God and to this church family specifically. Um, your commitment you know, gives us a chance to make a difference in each other's lives and in the lives of the world. So um, I brought up to you guys at the beginning of the year that uh, our elders set a budget of $2,000 per week for 2022. Um, and in January, we were averaging a little more than 1500 per week. So I wanted to share with you this, that through February, we're now averaging about uh, $2,034 per week. So great job helping us make up that, get back on track. Um, your generosity and your investment matter. Thank you. Yeah. Ooh, right. Good job. Um, so you can invest uh, in our church financially by going to Arbor Bridge Church. I mean, yeah, arborbridgechurch.com forward slash give. You can also give um, by mailing your check um, to 2500 South Main Street. Um, some of you guys do that. And then um, if you're here with us in person, you can, uh, you can put your investment in the white box in the lobby. Um, so uh, I, for, I forgot to mention is that in a, at the end of our worship service, we are going to take communion together. Um, that's just a time where we pause and we remember the life and the death and resurrection of Christ together. Um, there are some communion elements out there in the lobby in the middle table there that you can, uh, you can pick up. And we, if you're a Jesus follower, we want you to participate with us. Um, okay, uh, before I start the message today, um, I wanted to pause and pray for Russia and Ukraine. Um, 
in, in the, the world. Uh, I'm not a person who, I often don't know a lot about world news. Um, I, I don't watch the news a lot, but uh, I wanted to not ignore this. Um, so I'm sure so many, many of you guys know way more details about what's going on in Ukraine than I do. But uh, I, I just want us to pause and, and pray for them in whatever way we can. Um, and if there's something that we need to do specifically, then the, that the Lord will let us know that. So um, let's do that now. Let's do that now. Uh, <clears throat> dear Father, um, I, I just want to pray for the leaders of Russia and the leaders of Ukraine, um, for them to, uh, to know your truth and know your peace um, and to be transformed by the Holy Spirit so that they act on your behalf, um, that they would, they would seek to lead their countries in the way of peace and not war. Uh, war breaks your heart. Um, and I just pray that, uh, I pray it could end. I pray it could end. I pray that amongst all the struggle, all the terrible things that are happening in that part of the world right now, um, that the people there, you would leverage the terror, the difficult things to show your glory, show your glory amidst the great struggle. Um, all throughout time, all throughout the Bible, you have used difficult and terrible things to reveal your glory, um, despite the fact that they're, they're heartbreaking to you and they're heartbreaking to us. And so I just pray I pray that you would do that again. You would use the difficult things that are going on in that part of the world to reveal your glory. And that would be open doors for opportunities for the gospel to be shared and received. Um, and I, I, just, I pray that in hindsight, the things that are happening there would be an opportunity. Um, we would see them as an opportunity where, the, where you intervened to do something great, to change people's hearts, to, to change the world. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, <clears throat> so um, when, I, when I was in high school, uh, I had several things that were, were I don't know, my, my, my buttons, I guess, the, the topics or things that you did to me. Um, if pressed, I was angry almost immediately, um, which if you knew which buttons to press, um, I, I was incredibly vulnerable to you, or I, uh, and yeah, I, I regret that I had those things, and that sometimes I would behave in ways that I. I that was thirty years ago, um, and I have matured and I have grown up. So this week, um, this week I was in line at Costco, the Costco gas station. If you've ever been at the Costco gas station line, it's. It's a little bit of chaos. Um, there's always a line there. You know, when, however you, whenever, whatever time I go there. So, uh, and I don't, I don't mind a line. I'm, I'm trying to be patient, learn to be patient. So I left a fair amount of space between me and the next car ahead of me because in that line, I want to have space to be able to go around to, to the next pump if I needed to, etc. cetera. Um, so <clears throat> I left space. Um, and I, I, I do it for several reasons, but it's just something I like to do. So then um, there's this guy behind me in this big old black truck, huge black truck. He honks his horn at me. Um, and immediately, I'm angry. Immediately, I'm angry. Uh, I don't like being honked at. Um, 
I don't like it. I don't like it. And I knew what he wanted me to do. I knew what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to move up. I didn't do that. (laughs) Instead, I turned around and I looked at him. I I looked at him like, and when I looked back at him, he he did this to me. He said, and I can't tell you (laughs) how that made me feel. Uh, I was so angry by that. I'm like, how dare you give me the... I... It made me so mad. It made me so mad. He honked at me. I upped the tension by not doing what I knew he wanted me to do. Instead, I looked back at him. And then he took it to the next level and he said, get up there. And so in my mind, typically what I, you know, in the past, what I would do is I would just be like, I'm not moving. And then obviously, eventually we'd have to get out at the same time. And then what, you know, what's going to happen then? This time I moved. Oh, I didn't like it though. Cause I felt like he won, you know, I felt like he won something, which again, what is he winning? What's he winning? I don't know, but I felt like what, by me moving, he won. He and so when, I, when we get out and we're doing the gas, I'm, I'm hoping that he says something to me because I'm just so angry, so angry. It's, just, it's funny, um, you know, it's no big deal. You know, I didn't, it, nobody got in a fight and I'm not, I didn't end up on the news or anything like that. But let me say two things. Let me say two things about this that I think are really interesting. First, the Bible teaches Jesus' followers to be slow to anger. So, is it being slow to become angry if people can honk their horn at me and bam, they got me? Is that, is that what is that what is meant being slow to anger means? Second thing is this. Second thing is this. And this, this, is, this is the part that I want us to think about today. This is the exact same behavior that I was participating in 30 years ago when I was 18 years old. The exact same kind of thing. And the buttons are different, but it's the exact same kinds of behavior that it's 30 years ago. And after following Jesus for 30 plus years, that should be different. And the question, the question that I have is, why isn't it different? Why isn't it different? And so you know, maybe I'm alone in here, um, but um, there, there, are, there are character flaws that I have that don't seem to get better, even after 30 years. So maybe this is you. You're angry about how your life has turned out or how you haven't had, to ha- had the opportunity to, to do the things you wanted to do. And you don't mean to take it out on your loved ones, but you do. And it's hard to see how you will change, you will stop doing that. Or you, it's hard for you to trust God with money. Um, you always hold it tight and it's caused tension in your relationships, but, but you don't know how to change it. Or, or you love 
you, you love to be in control of things. You love to be in control of people and control situations. And you, you have, you're having, having a relationship with you is hard because you want to control it. Or, or you're addicted to whatever, to, to Netflix or sex or alcohol or work or sports or whatever you want to fit in there. You do. Or, or, or maybe you just like things in your life. You just, it's, it's a comfortable life. And you just like them. You like your life the way it is. And... You don't, you're not really open to doing anything outside of that. And you miss out on things that Jesus wants to call you to. But that doesn't, that doesn't bother you that much anymore. Those are the kind of things that, uh, that come up in my life regularly. Um, they, they come up in my life regularly, but it's not what I want. Um, I, and what I want is to spend my life walking by his side. I want to, I want to, I want to be, be repeating, I need you every hour because the things that I choose to do in my life, I actually, I know I can't do on my own. I need him to do them. I, I, want, to, I want to choose a life like that, a life of full, where the fullness of joy is a part of my life because I'm walking by his side. And then I, then, I, then I would be the kind of man that even in the most difficult situations, I would always behave how he expected me to behave. I always would live how I, you know, in a way that I'd be proud of how I'd lived. Um, I, I would be full of integrity. I'd be the same person in private as, as I want, that I talk about here in public. Uh, I, I, I would, I would be the kind of person who, who cherishes his wife, whose, whose life is full of moments of showing, showing his wife just how valuable, how precious she is to Christ and then she is to me. Um, I want to be a person in whom Christ is amplified so much, so much that I never make any decision based on my insecurities or you know, trying to prove myself or every decision is based on the fullness of joy that I experience by being in Christ, by remaining in him. Every decision is made that way. And so I'm, I'm quick to forgive. I'm slow to become angry. I'm gracious towards everyone, the people who, who are not like me, who don't think like me, who I just don't like. I love them and I love them well. I love them really well. Not, not just telling people that I love them, but, but I do things to, to draw them closer to me. And the people who are the closest to me, they feel the most richly loved by me. And here's the question. Here's the question that I have. And I was thinking about leading up to this. How do I go from a person who is ready to fist fight someone who honks at me to that person? How do I go from, from this person to this person? And the, the, the frustrating thing to me is that in 30 years, that's it. You know, if you, you came to me in 18, you said, I'm going to give you 30 years to become this guy. You're like, oh, I can do that in 30 years. Things that are, that are the most true about me and my flaws haven't gotten that much better because of me. Because of me. So I'm convinced uh, over this, this past year, getting ready to talk to you about, about this now, I've, I've become convinced that the path of life and fullness of joy and being the kind of person that I dream about is prayer, is praying. And 
I tend to think of prayer as that thing, you know, that I, you, we say we'll do for each other, but really I'm going to do something practical for you. I mean, you can pray for me, but what you can really do for me is this other thing. And maybe those, those, those ideas need to be switched. When I read stories in the Bible um, about Jesus, he seems to be so magnificent And again, if you're a Jesus follower, you read stories about how Jesus interacts with people. He always says what he intends to say. He always does what he intends to do. He never gets baited into arguments or conflict. He he is just flawless. And and if you've not read, if you've not read the Gospels and read, seen him interact with people is so powerful. It's so great. and, And again, he's not a doormat. He stands up to people. He calls out sin when he needs to. He's just the kind of human being that I want to be. And, and here's the thing. It, it will not happen. It certainly won't happen by accident. And it doesn't happen. Let me, let me, let me pause and just say this. Most of my life, when I read Jesus' stories and I read how he interacts and I read how he always knows what to say and I, knew, I read how he's just the man that I want to be every single situation, when I read those things, what I've, what I've said typically is, oh, that's, that's just because he's Jesus. And when I say that, when I say that, part of what I'm saying is, is giving me a past. I don't have to be that person. I don't have to be like that. I don't have to be that guy. I don't have to. And I get up here and I tell you guys, hey, um, this guy honked his horn at me. And I was, ah, you, most of you can relate to that. And you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have moved. When I read about Jesus and who he is, I tend to say, oh, that's just because he's Jesus. But I don't think that, I don't think that, that, that that's, the, that's the right answer. I don't think that Jesus showed up on earth and it was just going to happen anyway. I don't think that's true at all. I think it happens because in every single situation, no matter how difficult, this is what he's doing. Let me show this first with you. Listen to, listen, to what, listen to what this says. This is just a picture. Um, it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. This is it. Because all throughout his stories and all throughout his, his drama and all throughout everything, he's, this is it. It's, it's, it says this over and over and over again. One time when Jesus was praying over here and then he, and Jesus, we, we got up and then Jesus was praying and then Jesus knew he was going to have to face something. And then we found him praying again. If he was just Jesus, then why in the world is he doing all this praying? He's Jesus, right? Or maybe it's not just because it's Jesus, it's because he shows up on earth and he does what we're supposed to do if we want to act like him, if we want to be like him. Every situation, every time, this is the kind of thing he's doing. This is the reason why Jesus could be who he was in every situation. He made sure he was always praying and his prayer life was the power for him to be who we need to be. And the verse that Michael just read, he talks about how Paul is praying for people to have the same power that Jesus, that, that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. That's the power that God wants us to have in how we interact with each other. Proof, proof of this idea is, is further. Let me, let me go further. It says this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. 
teach us to pray. We've talked about this a few weeks ago, but I want to ask you, and it's certainly for those of you guys who haven't heard this question, why why would one of Jesus' disciples who has been praying his whole life ask Jesus to teach him how to pray? Why would one of Jesus' disciples who has been praying his whole life ask Jesus to teach him how to pray? And so, and again, this is what we do. If you've been a Jesus follower for more than 10 minutes, this is what you do. Oh, it's, just, it's because he's Jesus. No, it's not. No, no, no. They didn't, they didn't hardly even realize and know who he was. Why do you think he would have asked this? I want you to think, think of it like this. Think of it like this. Think of it like this. You've been making food for yourself your whole life. And then you run into this person who every time they make food and they eat it, they get superpowers. Like they can lift heavy things, they can fly, and they say, whoop, every time I eat this, here's what you would say to them. Would you teach me how to make food? Because when you make food, this thing happens that has never happened when I make food. Right? Jesus' disciples has seen enough of Jesus in action and they've seen enough of his praying to know that his prayers were effective in a way that their prayers were not. And so they say, um, would you teach us to pray? Because <laughs> you're doing something that we currently are not doing. You're able to do something that we currently can't do. You pray and this happens. We pray and it's like... Jesus' prayers were more effective than theirs. And that's why. That's why they're sitting back and they're like. And in addition to that, Jesus prays for things that they don't pray for. The disciples seem to be saying, I've been praying, but never like this. Teach me to pray. And when they ask Jesus, he starts the school of prayer right away. One of the first things we can take note of um, is, is, the, is the idea that Jesus prays for different things than they pray for and then we pray for. He prays for different things that, you know, that, that don't come naturally for us to pray. And we're going to see that more in the book that I've asked you to read, Teach Me to Pray. But <clears throat> we also see it in the prayers that are recorded in the Bible. We also see it in the prayers that are recorded in the Bible. And I want to show you one of those today. And man, I hope and I pray that what I'm sharing with you today will inspire you to be like, I need to, man, I need the Lord to teach me to pray. I need to learn how to pray about the, the kind of things Jesus is praying about. I, I want my prayers to be effective like Jesus' prayers were effective. I want to be able to count on acting like Jesus in ridiculous situations where there's no other explanation for it except for the Spirit. The Apostle Paul, as a leader of the early church, he wrote the prayer that Michael read, and he wrote this prayer that I'm going to read to you right now. He says this. I'm going to read it, I'm going to read it in a few different versions so you can get the, get the gist of it in different ways. So this is from the New International Version. It says this. This is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best, so that you know what's best, and you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the Phillips version. This says this. My prayer for you 
is that you may you may is that you may have still more love a love that is full of knowledge and wise insight i want you to be able always to recognize the highest and the best and to live sincere and blameless lives until the day of Jesus Christ. I want you, I want to see your lives full of true goodness produced by the power that Jesus Christ gives you to the praise and glory of God. One more. This is the, this is the message version. It says, so this is my prayer that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of. Bountiful and fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. That's a prayer. My question here, let me ask you this. Do you pray like that? I don't. Do you pray like that? Or are you like me? You end up praying for your pressing needs or what you worry about most. And so, again, you think, think this is how vulnerable we are to being pushed by external things. If we are always committed to most, mostly or only praying for pressing needs or the things we worry about most, then we are vulnerable to whatever is going on around us. Let me share with you a few interesting things about this, this prayer and, and all the prayers that Paul records for us. Um, at this time, at the time of Paul's writing, um, I've shared this with some of you guys before. At the time of Paul's writing, Jesus' followers were consistently um, in danger. Uh, in danger for their lives, in danger of being arrested, in danger of being killed. Jesus' followers are, are just, they're in danger. Um, it is interesting that never in any of Paul's prayers does he pray for any of those things. He never prays, hey, um, could, God, could you lighten up on the persecution? He never prays that. At least it's never recorded. It's interesting that in Paul's prayers, he never prays for that. And again, here's another thing. When Paul's writing this prayer, he's in prison. And not Martha Stewart prison. Ugly prison. Ugly prison. Way uglier than what we've experienced here in this, in this country. He's in prison. In his prayers, he never ever says, hey, would you guys pray for me that I can get out of here? Would you guys? He, he never prays for that. He never prays, I hate this place. He never prays, oh, woe is me. He, never, he, he prays crazy stuff like this. Which, again, is very, very interesting to me that he's not praying for what, what all of us would pray for. Get me out of here. It's interesting that in Paul's prayer, we don't see him asking for that. Paul spends his time praying about different things. And I would say, I would even get better things. Better things. And here's, here's the test of better. What's better? What's going to matter 100 years from now? 
The things that he's praying for, Paul spends time praying for better things. And so I'm guessing that Paul learned to pray that way from Jesus. The things that Paul prayed for end up being the kinds of things that we want most, though. We want to love well. We want to love well. We might not articulate it like that, but we want to love well. We want to learn. We want to love sincerely. We want, we want to live a lover's life, we, a life that Jesus would be proud of, making Jesus look good to everyone. I'm concerned about money and the health of my family and all those things, and I can pray for those things, and those things have a, have a level of importance, but far more important than money and health, I want to love well. I want Jesus to be like... Good job, Daryl. Whoop, you the man. You did it. I want him to be proud of the life that I live, the, a, a life that he could, be, he, he could look back on and he could look at me and say, that's, that's what I wanted you to do. That's what I intended you to do. That doesn't happen because I've tried really hard to be good. We've already got, we've got some history to show that. It happens when I remain in him, when I try to remain in him. And, and we begin to live lives that are full of true goodness produced by the power that Christ gives you. I want those kinds of prayers to come naturally to us. That we would work together to make those kinds of prayers come naturally to us. And that spirit's going to need to help us. It's going to need to teach us to pray. It's going to need to teach us to pray. Because you know, what, what Paul is talking about, praying, what he's praying here in Philippians 1 is a transformation. It's a, it's a, uh, and again, I can make myself be a little nicer for a short period of time. But I can't transform myself. I can't. Paul says it like this um, in, in Ephesians uh, 4. He says this, your hearts and minds must be made completely new. That doesn't sound like something I can do. That doesn't sound like something I can do. But I can pray for it. It happens in prayer. It happens in prayer. So let me show you a few things that happen when we pray like Paul and Jesus. Um, then I, that, that'll be it. So first, first thing, first thing, first thing. Prayer helps us understand ourselves. Prayer helps, helps us to understand ourselves. It's interesting to me um, that I, you know, I think I know myself. Or, and if someone outside, when my wife says, well, you don't really like that, I'm like, what, how are you going to, don't tell me what I like. I think I know myself. I think I know myself. Most of us base what we think of ourselves and our inner life on outward circumstances, right? We base what we think about ourselves and our inner life and what goes on inside of us on outward circumstances. What's going on out here informs what goes on in here. So if people out here say you're good or we like you or whatever, then that says, okay, I'm good. And if we do that, if we do that, you guys, you guys know this. If we do that, our inner life is going to be dark and scary and very susceptible to ridiculous things. So real talk. Um, there's nothing like prayer to reveal yourself to yourself because then it's you and him, you and him. And 
certainly, certainly, if you believe in God even a little, you have to acknowledge that he knows way more about you than you know about you. In prayer, he reveals who you are to you. It's only before God that you can see and become your truest self. So if you, if you think yourself too high in prayer, prayer can right-size you, helps you see your sin for what it is, far more disastrous than we imagine. If, if, you, if, you, think, if you think of yourself too low in prayer, spirit, spirit lifts up your head, shows you the lavish love of Christ. Prayer is the way to that inner reality, to understand who we are, to understand what, what's going on in here. And then in prayer, we can learn to begin with him, to start with him. And then we go out into the world. And so when this stuff's happening in the world, it, can't, it doesn't destroy me. Somebody honks their horn at me. Tell me what you want. Prayer makes us new. Prayer helps us understand ourselves, but prayer makes us new. And this is my problem. I think I can muscle my way into being new. It's in prayer that we're made new. And, not, and again, not all at once. Anyone, you, you, it would be super nice if like when you get baptized, you become a Christian, whoop, you come up and boom. I love the song, I Need Thee Every Hour, because it's so appropriate for what Jesus is trying to do in me. If he's trying to change me, it's not going to be all at once. It's going to be hour by hour, moment by moment. And if I can just get, get before him, get in front of him and say, okay, I'm going to remain here while you do your work. Do your work. Do your thing. My effort is to remain in him. His, his, his is the changing. His is the making new. And I let him do that. I let him do that. You might be filled with self-pity or resentment or anger. And then, then you, 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 in prayer, you, you side up with the Lord and renewal comes. Renewal comes in front of God that reveals the pettiness of your feelings. And, you're, and you are willing to allow those things to melt into the background. And again, it doesn't mean your anger is, is gone for good. It means that in Christ, he is transforming you so that anger doesn't have to define you anymore. That, that is most certainly what you want. If anger plays a huge role in your life, that is most certainly what you want. And if you can't see that yet, I want, I need, I, you, you, just, you just, just trust me. Just trust me on that. Third, prayer gives us an opportunity to commune with God, and, and this is so valuable. So, most of you know, many of us have prayed much of our life, and maybe we've had very few times where we would say, you know what, in that prayer time, I just commune with God. Prayer plunges us deep into the deep things of God. Prayer can take us, to, you know, to help us understand the breadth and the length and the depth of. Christ's saving love for us. Prayer unites us with God himself. And again, when I'm saying it out loud, it feels like, yes, we all agree with that. We know that. But when it's happening, it doesn't feel very spectacular. Mm. 
Maybe part of what we need to do is to ask the Father this. Teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Teach me to begin with you. I don't know what I'm doing. Teach me to pray. Sometimes that's the beginning of like when you can learn, actually learn something, right? When you start to come into the room. When you come into the room and you think you know everything, I don't need to bother with that conversation. But when you come into the room and you say, just teach me. I'm here to learn. That's a whole different story. So this week, I'd love for you to pray that prayer. Father, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Uh, love for you to read the first chapter of the book we're reading together. Teach me to pray. Uh, by Andrew Murray. I, got, I think I have one more copy here on me uh, in, the, in the office, if you'd like that, for $10. If you don't have the money, then we'll make it happen anyway. As we take communion together, though, in just a few minutes, I'd, I'd, I'd love for you to begin your time of reflection with this. Father, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Jesus, Jesus Christ's death and resurrection makes it possible for us to have communion with God, to pray. Uh, the reason why, why, you know, we can pray, why, why we always off are supposed to pray in Jesus' name is because we're going before God, not in our own names, not in our own goodness, but in the goodness of Christ, in the goodness of Christ. That's how we come before him. Um, begin with him. Teach me to pray. Teach me how I should come before the Lord. And, and, but next, I mean, use, use Paul's prayer in, in Philippians 1. You can use it as a template for you to pray uh, for yourself in a different way than you might normally pray. Pray that your love would flourish, that you'd be able to live well. Pray that you, you can live a life that Jesus would be proud of. That won't happen by accident. That won't happen by accident. Use Paul's prayer to, to learn to pray for things that will matter a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now. Uh, pray better prayers. I'll read it again. I'll read it again and then I'll pray for, while we take, before we take communion together. Let's, listen to this. Paul says this. So, this is my prayer. This is my prayer. That your love would flourish and that you will not only love much but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need, to, you need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus would be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we come to you in Jesus' name because we can't come to our own names. They're not good enough, but the name of Jesus is good, is the best name. We come before you in that name and we ask you this. 
Would you teach us to pray? Would you teach us to pray? Teach us to pray more effectively and teach us how we might learn to pray for better things, things that will matter years and years from now. And I pray that during this, during this time of communion where we are celebrating the fact that you earned the right for us to come before the Father, where Jesus Christ earned the right for us to come before the Father, that during this time, you begin the process of transforming our minds so that we become the kind of people that live lives that you're proud of. Um, that make decisions that you're proud of. And and we acknowledge in this moment right now, we need you every hour, and hours too long. We need you every second. And we will not become the people we want to be and that you want us to be without you. And help us during this time of communion to to commit to that. Not to commit to, to... trying to do this on our own and be better people on our own, but to remain in you, to remain in you, to let you transform our hearts and our minds into the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.